1: Well, we did it. We made it to the weekend in our first full work week in about a month, and I'm pretty excited. And I'm also super excited because we got some major birthdays today. Go,
0: go, go, go,
1: go, King and
0: uh, go, uh, Ziggy Stardust. It. Oh, it's Bowie. Oh, how is it, please.
2: Up in heaven,
1: they're, they're jamming. That's right,
3: they're, they're having like their like heavenly birthday. birthdays. Yeah.
2: Party in the club. Elvis.
3: I was doing
1: some research today. Bowie was very inspired by Elvis.
2: Yes,
3: tell us. Tell yeah, us. it's, yeah. you know,
1: it, it basically had a whole bunch of 45s back in the day, and Elvis and little Richard kind of changed his, you know, outlook right, on because life. because he
3: would have been 74 and Elvis would have been 86, so that would be about right. Yeah. You know, like being a kid and being inspired.
1: The other, yeah, and they said, um, I read a bunch of stuff. I'll see if I can forward it to you. Like, uh, Bowie once flew across the country, like in '72, to see Elvis at Madison Square Garden. Oh, and he my. showed up in basically all Ziggy Stardust garb. I love it. Yeah, and he said, yeah, that'd be kind of neat to be in the same, uh, arena as Elvis and Bowie. But yeah, they never, uh, you know, hung out or anything together. But it's supposedly Dwight Yoakam tells a story that, uh, Elvis wanted Bowie. He heard Golden Years by Bowie and said I want that guy to produce my next record. And, and it never happened.
3: Well, really? because Dwight Yoakam recorded a cover of Suspicious Minds which was a pretty big hit for for Dwight in his really best long-legged hotness days, you know. <laughs> and um um the other thing I was going to say about uh, Bowie is that you know, normally like tonight at First Avenue would bid be, would have been there. Oh, the um, rock kitty. for, for kitty, yeah. yeah, rock for kitty is yeah. what we call it. Is it, is was it a David
2: Bowie tribute?
3: Yeah, yes. it was. and oh, When I really? say the P
1: word, it was legitimately Le- like, yes. they raised money for yes. uh, feline. Oh, stuff, sure, okay, right? but that's what yeah, it was yeah. called,
3: and it was cover bands, and it was the, uh, fun. You know, it was always like the Friday night of Bowie's birthday weekend, and um, I saw him.
0: Couple
2: times. Oh, I, can't.
1: I did not.
3: I he saw never him did. at the
2: LA Forum. I told you guys wow. that.
3: Yeah, that's, um, that's good concert. And cred. it was,
2: it. and I saw him at um, in Arizona.
3: You really got to a lot of concerts I, you know, for being when a college I was in student, college. You must have had a good restaurant job.
2: I made so much money at yeah. the restaurants. Yeah. Well, I paid for college and my rent and everything, you yeah. know, but I, I got to a lot of concerts. I did. Not so many lately. No. <laughs> like everybody else. Yeah, well. We just got a we got a note from the Chan house and we're gonna have Pamela McNeil on next week, but they are starting back up their live um concerts, indoor concerts, because they've that huge space and they were so successful this fall. Oh and the theaters at the space? Chan, so mm-hmm. we'll hear more about that. But that's next Friday starting up and she's gonna do Fleetwood Mac tribute. Oh, that's such so a good one. She'll be on next week. Yeah. But yeah, so Elvis, so here's a little thing. Um twenty eight years ago. In 1993, a $0.29 Elvis postage stamp was issued at the post office near Graceland. The U.S. Postal Service held a vote in 1992, the year before, to decide which Elvis picture they would pick. Oh, because there's so many. Fans chose skinny Elvis over chubby Elvis. Oh, jeez. I know. And here is how many people voted on it. Um, 851,200 people voted to have the skinny Elvis over um, 270... 7,722. So almost a million people, over a million people voted. Unbelievable. On which Elvis to put on a stamp. And now they've done a number of Elvis commemorative stamps. I, they have, and it was 29 cents. What is the stamp now? 60, 65? No,
3: it's not that much.
2: 58? 50-ish.
3: 58, I, I, I don't think. 58. It just
1: says like forever on it, right? It doesn't right. Even say <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> right.
0: That's says. like right. the best marketing
2: because you have no I... idea how much you're paying. I'll just take a book of the Forever's. Yeah. It'll Uh, just work.
3: uh, Holly posted a couple of Elvis-related things. So there's uh, one, uh, 25 photos uh, maybe that you've seen, some you may not have seen, of young Elvis. That's posted uh, under Happy Birthday Elvis. And then Betty Harper, uh, for most of her 74 years of life, has been drawing Elvis. She's based in Nashville. She's Elvis Presley's most ardent and prolific portraitist. Yeah, she's created more than 20,000 images of the king in pencil, pen, pastel, charcoal, oils, acrylics, and even rice. Those are posted on the show page. And some of the drawings look like photographs. They do. They're unbelievable. And according to Betty Harper, she said, if you want to talk about perfect faces, I think there's two. For women, it's Elizabeth Taylor. You can take that Face apart and it's perfect, every part of it. And on the male side, it is Elvis. Elvis has the perfect face, and she's a long time of associate of um, uh, Graceland, and she's. Okay. Uh,
2: they she, look so real, don't they? Look real, yes.
3: Anyway, wow. you know because they do a cake cutting. They do some stuff. It's all been scaled back this year, but she's a real following uh, through her art and. Um, She's self-taught and she's Florida born daughter of an Air Force officer. Those are fun. She moved all over, you know, she was an Air Force brat and she was self-taught. And by the age of nine, she was drawing Elvis. But anyway, um, so she's in her eighties. But it's though, they're really kinda kinda cool. And then my mom had to tell me she rewatched the Aloha special, <laughs> which in nineteen seventy-two when that aired for the young people, was a satellite <laughs> program. Right. It was like the first set, you know, and it was beamed all over the world. Mm. And everybody could watch, everybody watched it. So whatever time, you know, was on. on in, right. It, but it was the first worldwide. Telecast? S- s- satellite uh, concert that, you know, the whole world, because, of course, the whole world, you know, knows Love, Elvis. Elvis. Well, he's.
0: Isn't that something? He went
3: into nineteen, you know, fifty six unknown, and came out out of fifty six known all around the world in nineteen fifty six. Wow, that's kind of amazing.
2: That is kind of amazing. Yeah.
3: Though. So anyway, she said, "Oh, she." I said, "My God, how many scarves did he go through?" And uh, she's, crying, she sweats. Handkerchief. She oh, sweats. she sweats. She gets all sweaty. Oh, the muti sweaty. Oh yeah. And okay. then And then she watched the sixty eight special. Wow! Jesus, like, Looks Jesus like in uh,
1: TCM, which we're all a fan of, is showing Elvis movies all day, and I think they'll also be on demand. So. It's
3: all weekend,
1: Rocker. Okay, wow! Well.
3: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. TCM. I've I'm already really... DVR'd a couple because
2: nice. I remember growing up, and those would just make you smile. Mm-hmm.
1: Those most were so of those so movies fun. are bad. But oh, the first matter. couple are good. Um, uh, King Creole's really good. Mm-hmm. J. House Rock is pretty good. And then some of those concert movies from the 70s Diva, and the 60s are Las pretty Vegas. good. Las Vegas.
3: You're right. And his very last movie that he made.
1: The one with Mary Tyler Moore? Yes. No? yes.
2: Change, like, Change of Habit. Change of Habit. That's right. Did That's, they she's fall in love? Did she ever leave the,
1: the nunnery? I think so, the right? The convent. Did we ever make it to the end of an Ellis movie? I don't know.
3: Yeah, I did. And Viva (laughs) Las Vegas. Don't forget Viva Las Vegas. That's the Am Margaret. That's so good. And Girl Happy was a good one, too. It was. For the dancing alone. Well, the
2: singing and the dancing were so much fun. Well,
3: there was always singing and dancing. Mm -hmm. And girls, girls, girls. I liked that movie, too.
2: I liked (laughs) them all.
3: My mom had every issue, buy the soundtrack. Oh, I love that. You know, the Harem Scarum and King Creole. I can still, the spin out was a big pink album. And Elvis front and center.
2: She, was can your dad as much into Elvis as your mom was? He, no, he liked Elvis. Is that why he wouldn't let her go to the concert in Duluth? Uh, so Elvis madly before, jealous. He, before he passed Rocco. Yes. He, he was in Duluth two years in, Duluth. in Really? Yeah, 75 and 76. And Laurie's dad was stationed somewhere else. He was doing a TDY, whatever that tour means.
3: duty okay. uh, overseas for a year
2: in Thailand, Bangkok. And forbid my mother to go. To go to the concert. To so the Duluth
3: Arena. Should, should she run away with them?
2: He forbid her. And, and she the, listened. And she he was listened. In, in
3: Taiwan. And my dad I called mean, from Thailand to make sure she was Thailand. home, I think. That's the story. I mean, that is now, just... He will deny this. This is just a terrible... But I was in 10th grade, and I remember, because my sister and I were really, Mom, go, go, go.
2: go." Why wouldn't you go? Dad told me not to. He's on the other side of the world. It'll upset your father. And we're like, so what? Who cares? What's he going to do to you?
3: You know, and I'm thinking of future car rides in his GTO, or maybe what I'd already done to his car. Yeah, he side-swiped every car in a block in his Oh, lordy. All right, listen, we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of.
2: That's like oh. such a great song.
3: Remember I did my performances, Elvis, and yes. dedicated it to, to, to Donnie after he left. I yes, was r- wandering around the hall with my big boombox microphone and
2: Rockles. my Elvis glasses. I
3: remember that. I my, we used home. to
2: make the dumbest videos just trying to make anybody laugh, including yeah. ourselves. I know. That was the beginning. We're going to do them again. I feel like Lady
3: Exercise <laughs> could be persuadable to come back. With her pink.
2: You queen. got a smile on her face. Okay, yeah. I don't even understand what we're talking about here. Okay. So because
3: it's a little mishmash of happy news okay. for people. Well, okay. We can't use that. Yeah, so we can totally use this. First of all, if you get a chance, um this week's People magazine has a delightful interview with Leslie Jordan, oh. who of course became um An
2: instant instant star star.
3: and just really saved a lot of people. Um,
2: And it still is with
3: the blueness.
2: Yes, he's a a dollop of joy. And and it was
3: such a chaotic year and it was downright depressing. And we were all in some way or another experiencing all around the world, you know, isolation, loss, shock, displacement, you know, Mm -hmm. just worry. And there were... Several celebrities whose Twitter and Instagrams, you know, became places of joy. And Leslie Jordan is being recognized for making the year somewhat bearable and going. I know at one point, both my mom was looking at his Instagram and my 21-year-old niece. I mean, like, they both were finding joy. Hey, all you hunker Hunker downers. downers. And he's still doing them. So he's... He's just a national treasure anyway, I think, for being him, Beverly Leslie and oh yeah. Will and Grace. But he's a quarantine joy. He was a quarantine and joy. Still, and still is. And he has a television career going back to the 80s mm-hmm. as guest spots. But his name and his face became recognizable. So, I mean, the L.A. Times did a story on him. The
2: New York Times, People, is a little late yeah, to the game, are. but maybe they're just reminding people how to still find joy. Well, possibly. And he said um,
3: I, because he at one point considered it, because he's a tiny man, he is he's vertically shorter than challenged. me, Rocco. Yeah,
2: Rocco, maybe four I'm, ten. I'm five one. Mm-hmm. He's probably four ten or eleven. Yeah. So he had one time when he was in high school
3: because he grew up in the south he worked you know as it, it worked with horses at a stable mm-hmm. and they were like you should be a jockey right because he's, he's the so right petite. size but um he he ended up studying theater at the University of Tennessee and he headed west and when he got on the bus in 1982 to come to Hollywood his mother told him always know that if it doesn't work out you can come back here for a standing ovation so his mom just sounds like a kicking ass
2: such a fan and he, he's been sober for like what, 25, 30 years, I feel he like, got or something? Sober
3: in, um, like, I think he was 42. He had, was living in Hollywood and he was doing a little bit of work, but he got like three DWIs in right. a year.
2: And I think he had a little pill-popping thing going Something. on. Same time. I think he shares that in his stand-up Man on the Pink Carpet Show.
3: Yeah, and and you know, he he really... Um, is, people should it, follow it's him. It's just, yeah, it's a delightful interview, and he just is so, such a great uh, character, and he just is like, I'm more comfortable with myself than ever, and I can't believe people have found me. And, of course, a lot of gay... Um, audience would have fallen in love with him when he was in my sorted life sorted lives and he played uh, can't i can't think of the character. that
2: show oh
3: yeah I, I i'm pretty sure that's what it was called my brother was the one that told me about that show and it just the naughty funny funny show but anyway he says he gets a sense of humor from his father but i think his mom is pretty darn funny because those first like two months he was hunking down in in tennessee
2: yeah, he was. Around the block yeah, from he his was. mom's.
3: Anyway, so he, I am delighted that Leslie Jordan is getting recognition. Also, Julia. And, and the
2: thing about it, Lori, mm-hmm. I will say is because I remember at the beginning we were trying to spark joy, but we lost our joy so big time when things changed for us here. Yeah,
0: pretty sure that's jlo and ps the person behind all of this is chris jenner llc we drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends blinded by the item listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the blinded by the item youtube channel
2: and just didn't have time to do that anymore because when Donnie left you know and everything mm-hmm. and then George floyd and then um then we had some other things going on in our personal lives I mean it's been a very tumultuous year, but he maintained it yeah and, and he does talk about that he's like that's oh, now something. there's
3: like kind of pressure I gotta find something but he has a million stories because he does. at sixty five he just has a million stories Rocco, and experiences. you could do this with your photos.
1: What's that?
2: Because you have so many photos and had so many experiences at such a young age with your dad's career, whatever he did. And then your own is that you could have.
3: Drew's asking you to spark some joy on Instagram. I'm just saying you could. And if you want to do it on ours,
2: you could do that too. (laughs) Because it takes time to spark joy,
1: I'm finding.
2: It's not as easy as you think. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I sent you a picture of me and the Walter Mondale birthday boy this week.
2: I know. And
1: uh, the Dalai Lama.
2: I know and you look so young but then I had a book we have a book to pr- promote you know and then you got yeah. in line you went to the second to the end of the class right
3: right <laughs> Well, of course, we're everyone is watching. You know, like the streaming numbers—they just came out. Like they were just huge for 2020. Of course,
2: because we had, nothing the, yeah. And if
3: you don't, Netflix stocks. And, you know, you know, like people three shares. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> but um, okay, so just some things that are happening because people are really watching things. It's so weird how shows that are on network TV or even a cable station. Sometimes get even bigger when they go to a streaming platform. We've seen that happen with Yellowstone. With you. With Riverdale. With you. The the show you, yes. yeah. That um big sky it's happening to now. The um the, the one that's on ABC, they've already got it out on the streaming service. Yes. Um it 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 had um th- should- thirty five days of viewing it. It got to be like sixteen, almost sixteen million total viewers, making it ABC's most watched thing that they've ever had streaming right. since The Good Doctor. So people were finding time to watch that, and it it was like quite a cliffhanger. So when it comes back at the right. end of January, you
2: know, this is just kind of a thought of mine because, like, all these great shows that were on network that. That don't play out. I mean, there has to be. You'd wonder if ABC should have bought some stock in Netflix or somehow, so you can, you know, do b- them simultaneously because to keep the network interest, but only play one at a time. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It do you just are the expectations on Netflix that you can binge them all instead of wait? It could be that. It could, yeah, because it, could it be seems that. like there might be some model there yeah, for it could these be guys because so many. Good shows, like I worry about this is us sustainability. Oh, you don't have to don't because I? they
3: have such huge audience. All right, thank Yeah, you. that's like fifteen million. Because I haven't years. watched
2: the last two. I I went back and I watched um, Zoe's extraordinary playlist last night that just came back. Mm-hmm. That show is so delightful. If people haven't watched it, it made many people's uh, many critics
3: top ten best tv shows of the year
2: just a delightful that's a fun one you know so
3: on the two big shows on three big shows on netflix right now cobra kai because the third season is back bridgerton people oh. are re-watching it and rocco the show we haven't watched yet Nicholas Cage's The Swear Word Show, The History of Swear Words. I watched
1: too. We can talk about it later. You're going to
2: talk about it later today because we want to hear about it. But when we come back, we are so excited. We've got an international best-selling author, Jess Laurie, for her new book, Bloodline. She's Minnesota's own. And we just discovered her through Donnie Love. So we're super excited. Stay with us. Okay, we couldn't be more delighted than to have Jess Laurie with us. Um, She is an international bestseller. So many books, um, Jess, and we just read our very first one called Bloodline. Um, thank you for being on our show. Thank you for writing this amazing book. Donnie Love turned us on to you. We're, we're like fanning out right now.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I am fanning out. I love your show. I am so excited to be here. Yay! And you're from Minnesota, right? Yeah, I'm Yeah, uh, born out west, but moved back here when I was six months old. Lived here my whole life. Live in Minneapolis right now. Yay!
2: we didn't know where your phone number was because it's out of town Um, so I was wondering if you live somewhere else but this is just such a treat for us yeah, I'm so glad
0: that the book landed well with you, too, because it's kind of a creepy thriller. So I'm we, glad the two of you enjoyed it. We do love psychological
3: thrillers. It, it probably, for reading, is our number one it is. Uh, type of book that and we really like to read.
2: You know, we fiction. Like historical
3: fiction. I mean, we really try and spread the love amongst a number of books. But, Jess, we are thrilled to know you. I can't wait to read you know, your other books, and you were so nice to send us some of your other books, but um, tell us, tell us, give us the setup Set of the story, because it is, you know, you, you start at the beginning of the book, this is based on a real event, or one part of it, so you describe.
0: Yeah, so I grew up in Painesville, Minnesota, that's where I went to uh, high school, uh, lived there from second grade until I graduated, and uh, there. I knew in the background about a boy who had gone missing in Painesville in the 1940s. And so, of course, back then they didn't have the milk cartons and the amber alerts, um, but it became a very big deal statewide, and the boy was never found. And yeah. so I always had that story in the back of my head. And then as I, as I started deciding what to write next, I thought, you know what, I kind of want to explore that and, and maybe bring some attention back to it because he might still be out there. And so I started with that, with that kernel of the, of the truth, but then I totally spun it into something <laughs> completely weird. Uh, the book is set in 1968. It features a reporter named Joan and she moves from Minneapolis to basically a fictionalized version of Painfill and, um, she realizes the boy's gone missing and then creepy stuff starts happening.
2: It's so good. It, and, and it's so good. Go Jess, I have to say that
3: um, a good friend of mine, his family owns the Bee Hive Resort in Painesville. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and I mean, that place is a classic gem of a, you know, kind of an old timey minute. But I remember going to Painesville and just going, what a darling little small town town. <laughs>
2: You know, I don't know. I don't know if they'll let me back in anymore. After this, After this story, story it's-, it's it's twisted. It's. It keeps you going. It keeps you on the edge of your it seat. It has a
3: flavor of Rosemary's Baby in it, which I quite liked. And I have to tell you, just so okay, we get the book, and I think okay, I this read is it. Hysterical. I read it between. I think I read it I'm, New Year's weekend or between Christmas and New Year's because we I just finished had chart-
2: first, and Lori finished the book the book we had earlier in the week first, and so then she's yeah. like, "This is so good," and I'm like, "This is so good." Yeah, we both are reading yeah. it at the same time. So I'm reading it. I'm
3: in bed, and I'm. reading Reading in, all of a sudden, a black and white photo, (laughs) clearly like of the 50s, and I'm like going, why does this look like my niece, Teresa? Oh no! Okay, with long hair, it's a doppelganger of my ver- the first niece I ever had in my life. She's you know an mm-hmm. older niece now, but I mean I was Lord, like nineteen and, when and she so was born. So Laurie comes in today. No, I said oh. to, I said to Casey the next morning, and I I had the picture and I had it by my fingertips. I go. You think it's weird that this book had this picture and it's kind of this kind of a cool, creepy story and she looks like my niece? I mean, what is this? And he goes, You better ask the author.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the rights to the book is set in 1968, and so I came up with the idea of doing like quirky little uh, kits around it, and one of them was I found. I found actual photos from the 50s and 60s and stuck them in as bookmarks. So that actually could be, although your nieces would not have been alive back then, I'm no, sure. Yeah, but but no, it, but,
2: but it freaked Lori out so bad. And so today she like, hey, "Julie, I can't wait to ask Jess about this. And I said, Lori, she goes, it's so weird. I had this in my book and I'm like, Lori. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> <laughs> if you were just joining us, we are talking with Minnesota's author Jess Laurie. Is it Laurie? Lori. It's Lowry. You pronounce it correctly. Okay, Lowry. Bloodline is the new book. How many books have you written? Because you've got so many different genres you've covered.
0: Yeah, I've written 20 books. Bloodline is my 20th. Uh-huh.
2: I, I am embarrassed that we did not know about have you. you tried wife? to get on our show
0: before yeah, and we said you,
2: no?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, you said you guys are, yeah, you're, you're too good for me. No, I haven't tried to get on your show because like most Minnesotans, I'm an introvert and I just sit at home and I write books. Wow, you're good.
2: So Thank far. you. so bloodline is the book. If people just want, a, just a fantastic the thriller, re- thriller, mm-hmm. and I and I didn't just, figure it out.
3: Yeah, I didn't either. Nope. And also, oh, you know,
2: also just I think uh,
3: the interesting thing of this book too, even though you don't call it this or whatever, but there is, I think in in like. The beginning dating, let's say the first six months or within the first year, you know, people are in orgasmic hazes (laughs) and say that. No, but they're in (laughs) orgasmic hazes and it's easy for people to pretend there's something that they're not because you really don't know them that well, really. right? And Joan kind of, she's in an orgasmic haze uh, for her boyfriend who she follows back to Lily Dale You know, and I was just like, and then she really is like, kind of has these realizations of how well does she know him?
0: Right. And we've all been there where you want it to be, you want the whole package, but part of you is is whispering something is a little bit off. And so, yeah, we have all been in that position.
3: Yeah,
2: it's something. Because
0: that was a very relatable thing about Joan. And
3: then also, you know, her ambition and i love that she had her buddy at the star tribune you know know kind of helping her unlock Mm -hmm. this mystery that she's really stumbled into that she might be the center part of i we just loved it and we want to know do we who do we need to tweet who would you like to produce this (laughs) this uh book of yours into a eight-part miniseries that's how Lori's spending her time
0: Mm-hmm. I will I will take the help this is the first book actually that I've sold the rights on and so the TV rights to this sold before the book came out even um, which is such a thrill for the small town girl but as you know then they now need a star to sign on and a producer and a writer and all that good stuff so that's in the works okay, okay but it is-
3: wasn't so it has been option part of my job is done now we just have to get the <laughs> casting and um <laughs> but was it Reese? Was it Reese Witherspoon? Witherspoon? Like, do you,
0: can you say what? Who bought it? I, it was. Uh, I don't know if I can say, it, but I'm gonna say okay. it was Twentieth Century Fox.
2: Oh my
0: gosh! This is so exciting, Jazz.
2: This yes. One- this will be such a good creepy um, six part eight, a part 8 part 8, eight, uh, eight part series yeah. yes and then the wouldn't re- you love to see it I would love that so much oh my gosh <gasps> okay okay and so now, what is that what who, who, is that what happens when that happens to you I mean do you get a check yes. do you what happens.
0: So this is this is my first rodeo, and it just happened a few weeks ago. And I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna, supposed to talk about it, but I'm so excited about it that I am gonna. Okay. <laughs> I'm obviously talking about it. So they option it, and then the crew at 20th Century Fox, is my understanding, uh, finds a writer to sign on, or a director, or a producer, or an actor. Mm-hmm. And then once they get that person, it sort of snowballs, and they and they create a pilot. Is my understanding. It's good. So yeah, you've. If you folks can get me some, um, get me some people to sign on, that'd be wonderful. Oh my! Lori
2: has been looking for an acting job. Well, maybe she can be one of the older ladies. No, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm
3: always casting in my mind, you know that, or out loud on the radio. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this really would. I wonder if they'll make you change the title because Bloodline was the name of that move, that, that TV, TV series with uh, Sissy Spacek and Kyle Chandler. Right. Was it on
0: Netflix? Yes. I, yeah, yes. I've never seen it. Yeah. Yes. I heard about that afterward. I heard it's a great show, but I bet you're right. They would have to change the name. That's, that's okay. To, you can handle that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> fine, I'm fine with <laughs> okay,
2: that. Okay, this is just, you, you know, it's just so fun. And you, you've written so many young adult historical fiction, fantasy, thrillers, and suspense, because the <laughs> book before this, In- Unspeakable Things, looks so darn good.
0: Yeah, that one was actually my breakout book. That one came out last January, and it hit the Amazon charts best selling um, best selling list internationally. And it was yeah, I was so I was so honored. Um, but yeah, I do write across genres because you got to follow the story, so you don't get so you don't get bored as a writer.
2: Right? Do you have something you're working on now?
0: I am working on something now. I'm in the edit phase. It's it's uh, tentatively called Litany, and it's a fictionalized version of do you do you two remember Jordan in Jordan, Minnesota, in nineteen eighty three, when all of that terrible yes. stuff went down—the the sexual okay, so abuse? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's a, um, I, I researched that deeply, and I was I I walked away struggling with how uh, little voice the children of that time were given, mm-hmm. and so I'm fictionalizing their version of of what that would have been like.
2: Do you just get it and, and go in old libraries and get the microfiche out
0: and find out? <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have so much research. I haven't microfiche since the pandemic, but okay. yes, I've absolutely done, <laughs> done that. that.
2: Tell That's us such a, a great
3: word to say. It is. It's microfiche. It's like efficacy. <laughs> we learned to love the sound of that word this year. Efficacy. Microfiche. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a good word. It is. Tell us about your, your. I'm interested about your nonfiction book that you wrote Called "Rewrite Your Life: Discover Your Truth Through the Healing Power of Fiction."
0: Yeah, I wrote that one as a as a um, sort of a spinoff of my TEDx talk. And so, in um, on on nine eleven, actually, my first husband committed suicide, and I was pregnant, and it was just as you can imagine, my whole world um, completely shattered. And what got me through that because. Because I was pregnant, I had to try to keep my blood pressure down. So I needed mm. to calm myself down. And so I started writing. That's when I really started writing. And wow. it kind of saved me. And that's that's what my TED Talk is about, how even if you don't want to be a writer, how, how powerful writing can be to connect with people, to heal us. Um, and then the Rewrite Your Life book shows people how to do that step by step. Oh
2: my! Oh, wow! Gosh. I didn't know that. I want to watch, listen to your TEDx talk now, Jess Laurie. If you're just joining us, the book is Bloodline, and you spell Laurie L O U R E Y. How
0: tragic! Yeah, I. You know, I still haven't watched my TEDx talk because who likes to see themselves on TV? But yeah, but yeah, it's out there. It's out there. Yeah,
3: it is, and then yeah, it, it is kind of amazing. Um, the power of fiction of reading of writing all of that and i I think people have you know kind of discovered that this year too again and
0: that could be why book book sales are exploding you know i bet you're right i bet Mm -hmm. you're right we're all stuck at home to varying degrees and just we have to look for things to soothe us and also to Stimulate us. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And you know, for us, we really it, it we have all I've always loved the soothing psychological suspense, mystery, thriller genre, you know, that I because it, maybe it's something about, well, at least this isn't happening to me. Right. There could be that some is, of that's that.
0: That's a good point. That is such a good point. At least this—I mean, it could be worse. And then at the end, there's justice. So it's yes. all tied up.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's always and this, you know, pretending everything is normal is—it's just yeah. a really, really good, well-written. Uh
2: huh. Um, and I, 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 I—we're we in love it. with you. We loved as it. An we're giving author. you a four out of four. We love. love we're so We want with, you to come to the fair. We want you in studio. <laughs> we want to meet you. We want to hold hands want- and hug.
0: <laughs> i want all of that can we put on makeup for each other yes too? <laughs> we will do that that sounds heavenly can you tell us
2: just the last great book that you read
0: the last great book i read was uh blacktop wasteland by s.a. crosby it's um it's winning all the all the best of lists throughout literally throughout the world blacktop wasteland it's really good
2: we got to get that author on
0: yeah, get get. His name is Sean. He's fantastic.
2: Oh my gosh! All right, I've never, I haven't even heard of that. Well, thank you. We yeah. are, we're writing it down, and we just want to thank you for um, being a great writer. Just being a great writer. We're just, <laughs> we're just fanning up here, at Jess. So it's so nice to meet another wonderful Minnesota author. Boy, do we have a lot of you, and it's been really oh. a treat getting to know a lot of. Uh, I feel like we've. Focus more on Minnesota authors during the pandemic than any other yeah. time. The book is Bloodline. Pick it up. Today. A, smile little the favorite, a little favorite,
3: another Elvis nugget we have for you guys. I love that song.
2: I do too. It's fun. You, do know, you like that one, be- Marco? Yes. Kind of a you know,
3: people don't know it as well as some of his other, but he, like it's fun to dance to. Okay. It was Donnie and I's favorite Elvis. Song that was What name? is it called? Marie's name is latest flame. It's a weird name. Marie- Marie's the name. His latest flame.
2: Rocco, I swear, if our if our happy hour is Elvis today, I'll kill you. It's um, going to be probably. We'll <laughs> be. I'm going to kill you. That's just wrong. Okay, so Jennifer and Susan are our book winners, so the books are all gone. Cool. The book again is Bloodline by Jess Laurie. What? That was a treat. <sighs> Where did we fan her? I felt like nervous. No,
3: but because the book was so good and then oh. I didn't even know about her TED talk no. and that. And, and her, I mean she sent us and then the picture and I mean she's twenty authors. That's like that's, that's Ellen Hildebrand. Bu- that's twenty books.
2: She's not twenty authors. Yeah, but okay,
3: twenty <laughs> books, but that's Ellen Hildebrand. That's level.
2: Yeah. Unbelievable. Like
3: yeah, really. I mean, whoa. You're right.
2: We have a lot we have We've had, had a lot of Minnesota authors. It's been kind of fun mm-hmm. to highlight. We've got another one coming up northernmost next week, Peter, oh, Peter. Guys. Yeah. And then we have um boy, we're just by- Here. Reading wedding as our our- passion. Let us
3: brag about Books and Elvis today. Yeah, there we go. Okay, well this is for uh the Jeopardy fans okay uh, right now because Today will be the last Alex Trebek uh, Jeopardy. This is I taped a little, mm-hmm. Yeah, I too. This is a report uh, from GMA. Okay.
0: Tonight, Alex Trebek, the beloved host of Jeopardy, is uniting us in our homes one last time in what will be his final episode. But the host of more than 36 years and 8,200 episodes. Welcome to America's favorite answer in question game, Jeopardy. Had no intentions of it being his last. Now, normally, the prognosis for this is not very encouraging, but I'm going to fight this. Trebek's final episode was taped just 10 days before his passing on November 8th after an 18-month battle with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. He loved this show and everything it stood for. The show's executive producer, Mike Richards, tells GMA Overnight about those final days on set. I didn't
1: know how much pain he was in, but obviously he was battling, and so for me, it was just emotional
0: that he was there back at his lectern doing what he loved to do and and that's what was so special about it mm.
3: and it's so true and i know one of the things i think that jeopardy there's a lot of people that have family members or friends and you were not to call them during Jeopardy. They don't right. want to hear from you. Don't you know I'm watching Jeopardy? I'm th- the That's most my fam- mom. the most famous one I know at least, you know that it was written about is Curtis A. That was something I found out when Chris Riemann Schneider maybe was rev- uh, interviewing for his, his album mm-hmm. um back in December and it was like he's like a well-known for years don't bother Curtis A, you know, uh rock guy at, at four Japanese, in the afternoon I, at four, whatever, whatever time it's on five 30 or something. Not five. My mom
2: used to be McNeil air. Don't don't call, call me. You know, I'm, I'm watching McNeil air <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I mean, it's true. Yeah. And then I don't know if it's it starts- my mom
3: would get, gets mad at me still. If I call her during the young and the restless. Oh, what are you doing? You know what I'm doing? I'm watching young and the restless and you're interrupting. <laughs> ah, whoops. Sorry. Didn't realize I always got that time difference.
2: It, is. Yeah, it is. It is something. Rocco, does your mom have a sweet spot for shows she watches? Don't call her.
1: Um, usually the 10 o'clock news or whatever, but yeah, you know. Well, she'll you take her. This call. is
3: Minnesota. You shouldn't be calling anybody after 10 o'clock unless <laughs> it's a lover. I can't lover. believe you're calling after 7. Right. I
2: mean, we're all <laughs> in bed. Ten. She, I, ten. You know what I watched last night? So yeah. my son and his girlfriend came over and we watched. Um, I hadn't seen it before. The Sherlock Holmes that was done in 2009 with... Um, um, Jude Law and... Benedict Cumberbatch? No, no, you know? no, 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 Robert Downey Jr. Oh, the movie. The movie, that is so good. Have you seen that? I've never seen it. No, I haven't seen it's it. It's worth it. Okay. It was so good. You need subtitles.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you know, that's fine. I I use them all. Have you seen that one, Marco? know, uh, but I have watched a handful of the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, episodes. I like that one. This yeah. was just the movie. I watched I Enola Holmes. About
3: Sherlock's little sister. I saw starring that too. I love that. Millie Bobby Brown. That I was really that. a cute movie.
2: Rachel McAdams is in this one too. Mm. It was good. I thought that was a good little movie. I could I could watch it. Okay. Uh here's a little fashion news. Okay. Um Holly posted
3: the um the first big fashion trend of twenty twenty one. And all I can say to Bizarre UK and Vogue UK is oh, stop. Yes, we stop. are in love with Bridgerton and we do do love those beautiful cake dresses of explosions of colors and everything else but guess what is up 1000% since bridgerton yep. corsets you guys i got to get mine out i, I mean, have, have-
2: so do I, I. Have I have several black velvet. I've got it. Oh, I used to have a cute white one with a blue lace. I wonder where that Julie is. Julie and I are corset girls. We, we used to. We be. did corsets, uh, but the the first th- time around with a blazer, an oversized blazer, and
3: then the second time around, and then I've been a Renaissance wench in a in a in a
0: in a, <laughs> makes, in a corset
2: to keep my. You can pull her corsets tight enough that she has a bosom. <laughs> Rocco, I have pillow boots. You can. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Bridgerton at the very last, the, like the very last episode or the very last two, the mother of Daphne, her, I took photos. Walker. Sh- yeah, I took Photoshop. And, and we know her n-
3: naked and clothed from the great series Rome. Well, you know her then. I, I didn't watch No, that. not Rome. Spartacus. Excuse me. She was in part, Spartacus, Rocco, from Stars. Okay. Did you ever watch that no. show? Oh. If you want to see sex and violence... course that- corsets? Okay. Well, here's the deal. Well, just more <laughs> Let me just tell you. Okay. I took
2: pictures of it because the way how the bodice was tightened, her breast mounds, literally, if she just put her chin down to say she hello... She could have rested. I've never seen them up that high before. And I think they can go up higher with age. Because the skin is a little looser. Right, it moves. I've never seen... And, and she was up that high in
3: Rome. Now, let me just have a booby flashback to her in Rome. And not in Rome, Spartacus, excuse me. She was a, uh, you know, a very, like I would say, like a 36 C, you know, a nice, full, good bosom. So I can only imagine now it's 12 years later Uh and she was in her forties then. Yes. You know, she may have gained some weight since she was frolicking naked in Spartacus, and now she's Mrs. But, wow, but the
2: corsets—I mean, I yeah. do you like a corset look, Rackle. Who doesn't? You know, what Yeah, guy I mean, doesn't.
1: I—I've had some fun at the Renaissance Festival, uh, checking mm-hmm. out a corset or two. But you know, it's—that's probably not my favorite look.
3: Uh, you know, Casey and I re- had a very memorable date, and I wore my Renaissance corset, and we went to a. A, a concert in Medina. Now, we were not married. We were in the courting phase, Julia. It was
2: one of the first three months because we <laughs> okay. were married within three months.
3: Okay. But we go to Medina, uh-huh. and I had, you know, really wanted to dance because Casey was my new boyfriend over an old boyfriend who was a really good dancer. Two-stepper and swinging me around and you stuff. You
2: upgraded so much Oh, when you so met much. My I know. My I know. gosh, I can't even... It's not but even Julia,
3: night and day. This I'm was shallow. We're in early All days right. of dating. And so we go to Medina. I can't remember who it was, but we're dancing and I can't breathe. Because it's so
2: tight.
0: You,
3: you can't you dance in a corset. Did you make him t- and, and And he kept going... What is wrong? And I I finally just was like, you see what I have on? It's constricting my breath. He (laughs) goes, don't wear that. It looks really nice, and I can't wait to take it off you. But But, yeah, you can't dance in a corset.
2: No, you can't. That's what we
3: know. But anyway, take a look.
2: Or that are too tight. Right.